Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We are in what is called the prologue of John, pro being first and logos being word. This is his first word. It is a section that kind of sets off to itself. We won't read all of it, but we will read through verse 14 of his prologue. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The word can be translated overcome. Verse 6, and there came a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own even, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And finally, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John's gospel is quite unique, and I know unique doesn't technically take a modifier. But I'm going to say it, his gospel is very unique. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're called the synoptic gospel. Soon means together, and optic means to see, and they kind of see the ministry of Jesus Christ in the same way, all three of them. Now, there are differences in them uh, and how they relate certain events, but they pretty much follow the same pattern. But when it comes to John's gospel, he takes us to a whole nother level. 
And I want to tell you something this morning. I want to be completely transparent with you. I don't know when I've studied harder. I don't know how many times I have gone through these notes. I don't know how much um, I have rewritten them and looked at them in different ways and even practiced how we might try to define the logos. And I am absolutely in agreement with R.C. Sproul who said that any description of the logos will always be inadequate. So what I want to do is I want to keep it as simple as possible not for your benefit, but for mine. Because I can get in the weeds pretty deep and I can get in over my head, but there are some truths here that are simple, but they are profound. So let's take a look. And I don't even know how far we'll get today. I doubt we'll finish this sermon, but I want us to take a look at this first chapter. And I hope we at least leave here today with a sense of urgency as to why everybody in the world needs this gospel in their language. I hope this will uh, encourage us to sacrificially work at, at directly putting this gospel in the hands uh, of people that have never read it in their lives. They do not have it. Uh, in their language and they do not understand it, I hope that we can leave here today more excited and convicted than ever that this is something that just we absolutely must do. John takes us back to the beginning. When was that? Well, in the beginning is not creation. It is before creation. Before creation, before there was anything, there was nothing here. There was not a universe that God thought, that's some empty space. I've not really done anything with it. I probably ought to put some people in there. It did not exist. It, 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 it wasn't here. And I want to tell you, at creation, and, and, and please understand, if you say, I, I Boy, he could have said that another way. I could say these things about 40 different ways. So I know it will be maybe a crude description, but, but let me try my best uh, to just let the Spirit lead me. Whisper a prayer right now that God help him uh, today as, and speak through him to us with your word. But within God's existence, before there was anything God existed. He existed in three persons. We now know that. But, but God had not manifested himself to anyone or to anything. There was no one to manifest himself to. So within his own existence, I, I just want to say it's almost like he carved out this spot called creation. And he made the universe and he made the earth and everything that he made was a reflection of him. It manifested him. Uh, I, I don't want to say that God decided one day that, well, I really need this. I don't think God needs anything. But God 
wished to manifest himself, to make himself known in some way. So within his own existence, without no universe, no anything, no space, no time, he carves out this thing that you and I know of as creation. And everything he made was a reflection of him. And I want you to think about this. He didn't use a magic wand. He didn't wave his hand. But he spoke it into being. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 1, if you read the Hebrew, you would realize how few words he actually used. In verse 3, he says, light be and light was. That's how it happened. He spoke with his words. Because remember, he will teach us later that it's from the heart that the mouth speaks. My words help you to understand who I am. So God is speaking things, and they're coming into being. Uh, let's, let's just think about this for a second. When we talk about the Word of God, we don't just need to hold up our Bible. That's a precious thing, and it introduces us to God. That's why we got to get it and to the hands of every human uh, that we possibly can on this earth. Because that's how we found out about all of this. But, but God's Word is a living, powerful thing. And when He speaks it, uh, reality comes into shape for Him. He makes things happen. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, He says, My Word does not return unto me void. It accomplishes whatever I send it out to do. So when I say light be, light was because there was no argument about it. And God is a God of light. So that light overcame that darkness that, that was there. God is a God of order. He spoke that the land and the sea needs to be separated. And, and, and he, he, he even uh, created time. There was no time. He said, let's let the morning and the evening be the first day. And the morning and the evening be the second day. You see, there had been no time up until then. And then later, he gets to the pinnacle of his creation, and he takes something he's already created, which was the dust of the earth, and he formed with his hands and shaped human beings. And to project that order that he has, that he's all about, he made us male and female. Might want to write that down. It's argued a lot today. But he made male and female. And he created humans in his image. As a matter of fact, he even gave us the ability to procreate. We could come together and, and, and male and female according to the order that is ascribed by God Almighty. And we can have offspring and, and, and we can procreate and we can enjoy being a part of God's design in that way. So he begins by manifesting himself through his word in the 
beginning. And, and, and he's not going to get, John's not going to get to creation until he gets to verse 3. And where there he says, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. So now John's telling us which part of the Godhead was the agent of creation. Now, John's going to tell us, and we already know this part, that the Word is what you and I know of more intimately as the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the agent of creation. Now, Now, stay with me. Because in these few verses, John is going to tell us about two times. And he's, he's revealed himself in many ways. But they're two of the most profound ways that God has ever revealed himself. He revealed himself at creation. And then he manifested himself again at Christmas. In creation and through incarnation. And John says, in the beginning... The agent of creation that he calls the word in the first few verses because God is speaking it into being. Finally, at Christmas, finally the day will come when that word will come and live among us. And once again, God will make himself known through his ultimate revelation by coming and living and dwelling among us two times that God has sought to make himself known think about it for just a minute though the word of God when God speaks things happen he orders reality with it let me read Psalm 33 verse 6 by the word of the Lord the heavens were made And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. And he lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The word of God. Don't just hold up your Bible because that is the Word of God that has been handed down to us. But I want to tell you, the Word of God is more than just words in a, in a book, more than just words on paper. The Word of God is His is, is powerful will being communicated, and His will is done whenever He speaks that Word. Now, I want to read from Hebrews. Just stay with me. Chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. You got that? First time, the agent of creation was the Son, part of the Trinity of God. And then he says in verse 3, the writer says, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purifications of sins, he sat down 
at the right hand of the majesty on high. Twice God has profoundly made himself known. Just think about it. God could have remained a secret forever. But he created this universe. And in this universe, there's this place called Earth. And on this Earth, he created us. And and just the creation itself is a reflection of who he is. It says so much about him. But then he continues to make himself known to us as human beings. And then, much later, much later, he will come to this earth himself in flesh. This same word will become flesh and it will live among us as the Son of God. Of God. That's an incredible idea. And, and when you think about this, I, I, I know sometimes people say, well, I don't, I don't know about all of this. God created this universe. It's just so big, so vast. We know so little about it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to imagine. I can't wrap my mind around the fact that the universe goes on forever and ever and ever. And, and the more uh, technology improves, the more of it we can see. Uh, we can now see uh, light years away with telescopes and things like that. But boy, we have not even begun to exhaust this universe. As a matter of fact, I think this is interesting. Do you realize that Not only have we seen very little of this universe, but did you realize that 65% of the earth itself remains unexplored? 65%. And granted, most of that is the ocean. There are places in the ocean we've never been and we're never going to go. There's one place in the ocean that you can take Mount Everest, which is over five miles tall, and you can throw it in the ocean, and it would sink so deep that you'd have to swim down a solid mile to even get to the top of Mount Everest. We're not going down there. We've never been there, and we're not going. And it's not just in the ocean. I was amazed. I, I looked it up this week. I, I, I did some, some, some research <laughs> But, but I was amazed at how much of this earth, even on the ground itself, we've never been. There's the desert in Nambia that I found that we've never been there. We, we, you can't survive there. And as far as we know, no human being has ever set foot in that place. There is a place down in South America in Brazil to where we have seen some tribes of people living there from a helicopter a few times, but we're not sure if anybody still lives there or not. We're not sure how many people actually ever existed there, but we do know this, that modern man has never set his foot in that place, not even one time. Sentinel Island in the Bay of Bengal and and near India, uh, we know there's some people that live there, very few. We, we expect them maybe one day to die off. We don't know even how many of them are left. But every time anyone ever tried to go on that island, these, these people who run around naked with homemade spears and bows, I'm talking about in 2022, they kill everybody that sets foot on the place. Matter of fact, there's some films uh, that you can look up on the internet with, with people going there and trying to give them food, and they wind up full of holes every time. Some fishermen 
wrecked a ship there some years ago and they were able to use part of the ship to make metal points for their arrows. So be ready for that when you get there. They won't tolerate anybody. They killed all those fishermen. We don't go there. Unexplored. Man, and as far as the universe is concerned, there's so many places that we can barely see. But this place, it echoes what God is all about. He's so vast, so powerful, so awesome, too big for us to encompass. Even the little earth that we, he gave us, we can't even get all of it under our belt. It is all a reflection of God. John goes on, though, to tell us, then the second time God manifested himself like this, was when the one who had created in the beginning, which he called the Word that came from God, that Word took on flesh, became flesh, and came here and lived among us. Now you think about that. Jesus Christ is the Word. Words are made up of letters. And what did Jesus say about himself several times? I am the Alpha. And I am the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the final word on it all. I am here to communicate the will of God. And He is God. Uh, we could get into the Greek some, but no need. I, maybe we can do it sometime uh, in a class. But boy, every word that John uses is impregnated with special meaning. In the beginning was the word, for example, that is the word ain. It is a form of the word agenata, which we usually translated was or had come into being at some point. But ain is a form of that word that means there's something that was that there was never a time that it wasn't. See, we don't have that many tenses in English, but the Greek can put that in a tense that says there's never a time. Jesus never came into being. The Word of God never came into being. It always has been. Always has been. Jesus was there at the beginning. Hey, John says, as a matter of fact, it was through the Son of God that everything was made that was made. Incredible. But then John moves on to talk about the Word coming and dwelling among us. Let's take a look at a few of these. He talks about his personality. The personality of the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first part I'll tell you about his personality is his divinity. Jesus Christ is God, and God is God. As a matter of fact, I think if I can remember exactly how he said it, one Greek scholar put it the best I've ever read it. I've read it 40 different ways, but the Word was God and God was God. And the way that John words it by him saying that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. You see, I can be Mike Snellgrove, but I can't be with Mike Snellgrove. I can be with you, but I can't be you. But we're not God. 
So Jesus Christ can be God and be with God. Because God is in three persons. He exists in three persons. As a matter of fact, in the first time he manifested himself in creation, when he said, let us make man in our image, he is having a conversation with himself. Now, I can be me, but I can't be with me. Now, that still doesn't uh, hinder me from riding down the road talking to myself. But there's just a me, and that's it. I can't be with me and be me. But God can. The Word of God, which is Jesus Christ, which we know of as His Son, is part of the Godhead, and it is God, or He is God, and He is with God, just like the Holy Spirit. So, first of all, this Word is most definitely divine. Now, when you get on down in the verses and it says, and the word became flesh, he switches from that special Greek word that says uh, it never had a place or a time when it wasn't. It switches to a lighter tense, a genita, and it says, hey, there was a time that the word was not flesh, but there's never been a time when the word did not exist. Man, every word John uses, boy, it is chosen so precisely. And if you ever have to do business with Jehovah's Witnesses, this is one of their favorite passages. Come and see me. Okay. Oh, boy, I love it when, uh, when they come to the house. Uh, that's rare. But I've always enjoyed those times, probably more than I should. What or when was... The word God, well, it was in the beginning. This is his divinity. We know he's divine because where God was, the word was. The word is pros. It's more than just being with him. Para would be alongside, but pros means face to face. He is equal with God. Paul talks about one day we will be face to face with God. And he uses the word prosopon, pros, prosopon. That is face to face. The word was with God, equal with God, equal standing with God. And then what God was, the word was. All of the perfections of the deity are focused and made visible to you and I in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God. If you want to know what God thinks like and how God feels and all of that, then just understand, look at Jesus Christ. And that is who God is. That is his ultimate revelation. Think about that. That God Almighty would create this place and make himself known and go to all of that trouble of manifesting himself. Every part of creation, every leaf on every tree, it screams about the image of God. And yet then later he has to come here in the form of flesh or chooses to come here and take on flesh or become flesh and dwell among us. And then what is so crazy about that is when he does do that, it says the world did not even recognize him in fact it goes on to say that he came to his own people and they would not even receive him you see they totally missed it totally missed it his divinity secondly talking about his personality his descent in verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us 
the incarnation, the coming of flesh, becoming flesh for God, that is someone is called the supreme sojourn. And the word for dwelt among us is a word for tabernacle. Skene is a word for tent. He tented among us. He tabernacled among us. And that would point us back to the time in the Old Testament when the presence of God would come down into the tabernacle and meet there with the high priest. Now in Jesus Christ, you and I can meet with God Almighty Himself because we meet with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, if we have a relationship with Him. Man, it is incredible what is being given to us here. Well, I'm, I'm going to skip some things and move on. His personality, let's talk about his power. It says all things came into being through him. Everything came into being. Do you see that? He didn't make it out of something. The word bara in the Hebrew is create. Everywhere it occurs in Scripture, God is always the subject. Because he's the only one that can create. We have that fancy Latin word, ex nihilo. Remember that word? It means out of nothing. God didn't take some of this and some of that and, 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 and make a whole bunch of things out of it. No, he took nothing and nothing and made everything. Because he can create. He can speak things into being. All things came into being through him. They weren't just shaped or formed. I, I love it if you go to the, the first chapter of Genesis and read it in the Hebrew. It says that the world was tahu and bahu. Tahu means confused and chaotic and bahu means empty. It was bahu and tahu. You can use those if you like. You can tell your wife this kitchen is bahu and tahu. Uh, I, I need to get in here and clean up this mess I made. This yard, honey, you, you, you can tell him, ladies, that your the, the, the grass is bahu and tahu, honey. Preacher Mike gave me those words, and, and, and it needs some, some uh, order put to it. Here's the whole point of it all, and this is what I want to get to today. What does all of this mean? I, I think we've got to at least scratch the scab off of some of this. We could spend a week on what we've already covered. But here's the point that we've got to make. People in this world need to know. People that don't have this book, the Gospel of John, in their language, this is what they need to know. That if their life is Bahu and Tahu, God can make sense out of it. If you feel like a big fat nothing, bring all that big fat nothing to God and watch what God can do with it. He can take nothing and make something absolutely incredible out of it. He can take chaos and emptiness and he can give it order. He can put your life back together. And I know some of you are sitting here. I, I know you, you've gone through it and, and some of you more recently have really gone through it. And you just may feel like, man, I don't know. I, 
I've messed up so bad, preacher, or, or, or my life is so messed up, or my marriage is so messed up, or, or my relationships with my kids is so messed up, or my heart is so broken, or I'm just so heavy right now. I just feel like there's just nothing left in me. I'm telling you, just come to God with that nothing because He can take nothing and make something awesome out of it. I love that old Gaither song. He made something beautiful of my life. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion, he understood. Don't make me sing it. Boy, he can do it. God Almighty can do it. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. I don't care if you don't remember Ain, Aginata, Bahu, Tahu, any of that. But don't you ever forget, you've not reached hopeless. You may have for you, but you haven't for him. Wow. Wow. That's his personality and his power. Thirdly, let's look at his plan. I can't see the clock, so I'll just assume we've got plenty of time. His plan is to put life where there was death and light where there was darkness. I'm going to wrap this up. Life where there was death, in verse 4, says, in him was life. That is a theme all through John, 36 times. He talks about Zoe, the life. In him is life. Well, we have a world of people today that are running around trying to make a life, trying to find a life, trying to get a life, trying to improve a life. A lot of them have absolutely ruined what they did have. And they might not have had something good to start with, but whatever it was, it's worse now. We have to tell people. We have to put this book in their language, folks, so people can know that God is where you find life. That's where you find real life. I don't just mean existence. I don't just mean that you are alive and breathing and that we can find a heartbeat. No, I'm talking about actually having a life having purpose in your life, having uh, 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 some promise in your life, some security in your life. You're, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die and until you really know in your heart and life that, man, I'm doing great right now, feel wonderful, but if on the way home uh, something happens and I, I don't make it back to my house today, it's all going to be okay because I have life and I have eternal life through Jesus Christ the Son of God. And when you get to that point, it makes living life until that moment way, way better. Because, man, it's hard to live life worrying about dying. When you can quit worrying about dying, you can start living. You can start living. He put life where there was death. He put light where there was darkness. In verse 4 says, and the life was the light of men. 
Matter of fact, in the third chapter of John, he will go on to say this. This is the judgment. This is what human beings have to deal with. This is why human beings need forgiveness. This is the judgment of human beings. This is the ticket you got. This is the court order you got. This is the summons, the arrest warrant for your life. God says this is a problem that we all have. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. That is our problem. That's why he has judged us as sinners. We love the darkness more than we loved the light. But God can bring light where there's darkness. Man, I can tell you, when you first step into the light, it's sort of like when you first turn it on in the bathroom maybe in the morning, you kind of squint. You're just not ready for that much light yet. And, and boy, it, it, it can be alarming. And uh, it, sh- it shows everything. The, the brighter the light, the more infirmities you will see in your life. And I can tell you, the closer you get to God, the more you'll realize how much you need God. When God's light shines in your life and you quit running around hiding in the darkness because you love the darkness more, because you can hide there, you can shirt responsibility, you can stay just out of the reach of usefulness by hiding in that darkness and, and kind of stay into yourself. And, and you might have some junk going on in your life that you don't want anybody to know about. Once you let God shine His light into your life, and boy, those old cockroaches just run everywhere. When you let God take a look at you and you open yourself up to Him, I can tell you He can transform your life forever. Until then, you just kind of have to keep making it up as you go. You keep having to act cool when you're not. You keep having to act like you got it together when you know you don't. You have to, it's, it's all artificial. That's why I, I, so many people in our world today, it, it blows my mind. They're rich, they have money, they're popular and all of that, and they wind up taking their own life. Why does that happen? It's because they don't really know what real life is like. And they hide from the true light because they love the darkness. Last of all, as I close, this power personality plan, he gives us a promise. Verse 12, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Ekousia is the word we Translate it power sometime. Exousia is more, though, of an authority that's given to you. Dunamis is more the power. We get the word dynamite from it. The power to just move mountains. That's dunamis. But the authority or the right or the ability, the green light to step in and become a child of God, he has given that to us. The number that he's given it to is as many as believe. As many as believe. doesn't matter what color you are. doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. It doesn't matter how bad your life has been up to this point. It doesn't matter how many promises you've made and broken. I can tell you if you come humbly before 
God and say, God, here is just a big old hunk of nothing today. I pray that your spirit would move on this darkness in my life and change me. The necessity we have to believe in his name. Your name is who you are, and we have to believe in his name. That's a real jump for a lot of people nowadays. I, I know I've run it in the ground, but I'm going to keep running it in the ground. It's such a deadly problem. Churches, Baptist churches, that they believe some things about Jesus, but they really don't believe that he is who he said he was. They don't see him as someone to be worshipped, but as a good example to be followed. Someone who came and set the bar. Someone who taught us how to give and love and all of those things, and he did. But we needed more than a good example, didn't we? We needed a Savior. You've got to believe in his name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Yahweh saves, not Yahweh shows, demonstrates, or teaches, but Yahweh saves. And Christ means anointed one of God. Believe in his name. And last of all, the nature we'll have will be called children of God. Children of God. Man. I, I can tell you, this is not at all how I practiced it. I, there's so much. There, it, it's just so incredible to me. And, and then, because here, here's my problem sometimes. But this is all about me. I want to make sure you understand that. This is all about me. I, I get all this in my head, but I can't get it to come out my mouth right. I know it's going to be confusing, but I'm like, God, they've got to hear this truth. And, and I will tell you this. No. God's like, no, they've got to hear from me, Mike. And it's not up to you to straighten it all out. You just get up there and preach. And if you look like a big old idiot. I mean, I was in class this morning and could not even spell... Uh, the word uh, ordinance. Oh, man, I get nervous. When I'm writing words in big letters, I can't see the whole word. I, I don't know if you've ever tried to write on a board, but when I can't see the whole word, and I don't spell real well anyway, but I'm just telling you, when I can't see the whole word in one little spot, I can't figure out what's the next letter. Because it didn't make sense to me. Plus, I'm trying to learn how to write with my left hand, and it's the dumbest hand in all of Rutherford County. It's, it's one at two years in a row. So I'm going to say this. I hope you let God speak to your heart today. Because it's not about Greek tenses and all of that. I think all of that is important. I, if it was, it wouldn't be in here. I think all of that is important. I think what John is talking about, even though it blows our mind to try to wrap our mind around some of it, I think it is important. 
But I think what is more important is you and I have to get the word out, especially to people that can't even read it in their language. They need to know that you can bring nothing to God and he can take it and make something awesome out of it. He can put order where there's been chaos. Let's pray. God, perhaps there's someone here this morning that they're just tired. They're just tired, God. It's almost, Lord, emotionally like they just can't find a place to sit down for a second. They can't even catch their breath. Life is just out of control. Lord, they're their wits in and have no idea what to do. I pray for that person. I pray right now, God, that you would help them to know that you can take nothing and you can create. You can speak things into being. You can take a marriage that has absolutely zero hope and you can transform that home. You can reach that teenager, God, that, Lord, maybe someone's given up on, but Lord, you can transform that life. God, I just pray right now that you'll help us, Lord, to realize and know what an awesome privilege it is to be able to look outside and see your fingerprints everywhere and then to be able to read your word and to know you personally and to have you live in our heart, God, Lord, you could have remained in darkness forever, but you made yourself known to us. Thank you, Father. I just pray now, God, please help us. Help us, Lord, to realize the urgency of what's before us, the opportunity, God, that you have given us, Lord, to directly affect a life that has never heard about you. Oh, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.